Good morning, church. Man, I love that song. Such a big fan. Let's go. Uh, man, it's great to be with you guys today to worship God and acknowledge some of the fathers in here. Uh, I'll say happy Father's Day for my dad, too. You know, put a shout out for Jason Saunders when he listens to this on Spotify. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Dad, you're awesome, uh, and I'll call you later. <laughs> but yeah, so my name is Josiah, if you have not met me yet, um, and we, I, um, hmm, pause. And I'm doing the sermon today. <laughs> and so yeah, we'll be going through the book of John and uh, get into about the home stretch here. So the title of the sermon today is The News. And so we'll be picking up at John 20. If you want to go turn your Bibles there, get that open. And we'll be continuing by looking at the reaction to Jesus' resurrection. So to set the scene, it's been three days since Jesus died. And they come into the tomb and, oh my gosh, the stone is gone. And they think, oh, they've taken him away. And so everyone's panicking. It's not a good time. And Jesus appears to Mary, and he's like, no, no, no. I'm here. I've been resurrected. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. She goes, tells the disciples. They're like, ah, I don't know about that. And then Jesus goes to the disciples and says, hey, I'm here. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's really exciting and it's, it's really a joyous time. And so if you put yourself in their shoes, it's exciting news, right? The, the person you've been following for years died in his back from the grave. Like, that's awesome. And so we're going to read the follow-up to this as we take a journey down Thomas's story. A story that we might find relatable, but before we get to all that, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be here, to be able to talk about your word, Lord, and bring it to people this morning. God, I pray that uh, we have the mindset to listen to you, to hear you clearly. Um, there's a lot of things that could be happening you know, you might be trying to figure out, oh, when do I go plan that call with my dad? When do I, what do I do after this? Um, and all different things with a Sunday, Lord. But I pray that we can take a moment and be dialed into you this morning, God. And so with that, Lord, uh, Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we'll be picking up at verse 24, John chapter 20. And it reads... Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other's disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
And we'll stop there. You know, sometimes people don't react to news the way you think. When the disciples came up to Thomas, the straggler, he just wasn't at the right place at the right time, you know, I don't know, and, and say, hey, Jesus, he's back, he, he resurrected, he's, he had an odd reaction. He was like, mm, no, I won't believe like, Jesus is going to have to find me, and I'm going to have to go put my hand into his side and touch it in order for me to believe. You know, this, I had an experience where my dad, he, he gave me news when I was young. He was like, hey, you're old enough that you can ride a bike without training wheels. And my, my family's a big bike family, so we used to ride all the time. But it was hard keeping up with everyone, with my training wheels and my dad's with his professional skinny tire road bike that he used to do like MS 150 mile bike rides on. And so I'm trying to keep up with him and all the rest of my family on this tiny bike with training wheels slowing me down. And so he was expecting me to be excited about this. And... I was like, no, <laughs> don't take it off. I want them. And so, like, he's, like, removing them, and I'm, like, almost in tears. I'm like, no, Dad, don't do it. And <laughs> it was not what he was like, looking for. My brother had this happen. He was excited. He was on the bike the next day and riding around the neighborhood. Me, I was like, no, don't do this for me. And we sometimes we can get good news, but the reaction is kind of off. And, and we see that here with Thomas. And, and I think what Thomas is showing us here is good news doesn't always mean that there'll be a good reaction. You know, sometimes good news can be something of which people have great reactions to. But also sometimes really good news requires some thinking, some wrestling, dealing with maybe problems, maybe considerations that you never had before that. You know, getting back to that bike example, you know, in some ways, being able to bike faster, to not put as much effort in, to keep up with everyone in my family, that was good news. But thinking about having to ride a bike without being able to rely on my training wheels, uh, now I have to go like prop my bike up against something if I gotta go leave it in the backyard. You know, now I might have to deal with falling off my bike when that was never an issue. You know, there was good news there, but sometimes you know, we can focus on the bad. And so when we get back to the story, I think we have to also consider what else might be there. You know, Jesus resurrected from the dead. Like, yes, that's good news, but now put yourself in Thomas's shoes. You haven't really seen this. And now you have to think about, okay, if he did, 
you have to deal with the possibility of resurrection happening to other people than just Jesus, right? And you're like, oh, like, is this going to be the case for, like, other people I know? You know, you, this general idea of, like, death that you've relied on, you're like, well, if someone dies, they're dead, right? No. You, you can't even trust in that. And I think we had a similar experience when we had the pandemic, you're like, well, you know, you can always just go outside, go to a friend's house, et cetera, you know, as long as nothing crazy, too crazy is happening, you're not too busy. And then we had a pandemic, we were like, don't leave the house. Wear masks, right? Society completely changed. Now people are like, now I don't even have to come into work anymore. I can just go on a Zoom call, you know, if I ever have a meeting and just work from home. But that's something that changed considerably with just one event. And so now he's like, okay, maybe things are going to be different now. Now you also have to consider like, okay, he talked about dying before and then, you know, being raised on the third day, but you thought it was more like a metaphorical dying. You were thinking like he was speaking just in metaphor, and now you have to be like, well, what else did I think was a metaphor is now literal? There's, there's a bunch of considerations that Thomas might have had. Maybe he's even, like, maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe it's, like, he's feeling left out. Like, hey, Jesus, you, you were there when I wasn't even there? Like, maybe he's just feeling left out. You know? Maybe it's just hard to believe. There's a lot of things that are going through maybe Thomas's mind. And, but I think what this shows for us is, again, we don't have to have this belief that good news means a good reaction. And if so, we can understand that good news can sometimes come with cost. It can come, we want like the good without having changes in our life. We want the good without being stretched. We want good without the pieces of hard truth. We want the good without having to seriously change the way that we see things. Good news that's actually good, when we have a sober reaction to it, tends to actually introduce challenges. But that does not keep it from being good. Just like the implications for Thomas, there are some for our lives. When we get the good news about Jesus, we might have to change the way we live. We might have to change some of our long-held assumptions. But it's still good news. Jesus died in resurrection, leading us with an opportunity to follow him. That is great news. And so we're going to... And so it picks up a little bit later in verse 26, and it talks about there being a week. One week later until this interaction with Jesus happens again. And for Thomas, I can imagine as a week of him being with all his friends, the disciples that all met Jesus, and they're all talking about, oh, that's exciting. You know, Thomas, you know, Jesus did resurrect and he's like no 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 and this is happening like all of his meals 
he's still hanging out with them, and that's all they can say. They're like, hey, you know, Thomas, you know, he resurrected. And he's like, no, I won't believe until I see Jesus myself, until I touch him. And then Jesus comes in. But I think we see here a missed opportunity. You know, he was given time by God to actually change his mind on it. You know, he, he might have originally had the feeling of, hey, I won't believe until I see the nail marks. But he had his friends who saw it. He had his friends that were able to interact with Jesus. He had a whole week to be able to feel that, to interact with him and be like, wait, this is real. Jesus is resurrected. That's awesome. And that would be credited to his faith. But he was stubborn. He was unwilling to find belief by relying on the testimony of the people he knew. Unwilling to find belief by relying on the words of not just that they saw him, but Jesus taught them. He, he brought teachings to them. And so he could even be like, well, only Jesus could teach something like that. But no, he, he did not rely on them at all. And I think this goes for us. We have opportunities to also be blessed. I, consider Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. Imagine if he chooses faith here. We'd have to go find a much less catchy way of calling him. Maybe Faithful Thomas. <laughs> Not quite as good as Doubting Thomas, right? And which, in my opinion, it's a little unfair because all the rest of the disciples also didn't believe when Mary told them that, you know, Jesus resurrected. But he gets, he gets the cake because, you know, he had a whole week and he got everyone. Um, because he didn't believe there. But it brings us to this idea of we need to open ourselves up for good news. You know, God's trying to put good news in your life. Maybe it's just, hey, I'm here. I want a relationship with you. Maybe it's, hey, you've been a fan of mine for a while. It's time to follow me. Maybe it's, hey, there's an opportunity for you to grow in your life. It's time to take it. Maybe it's, hey, you've had this neighbor you've been close with who needs the gospel. It's time. Make him your brother. What is the good news that God is trying to show you in your life? So we get to point two. So if I didn't say the first point, uh, if you're keeping up, this was good news, question mark. <laughs> Second point is the life-changing news. So we'll, we'll get back to the story. Verse 27, it reads, thank you. It reads, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet 
have believed. And so we see this story. We actually see that God does the exact thing he did with the disciples before. He stands among them while they're in a locked room. He, he enters and says, peace be with you. He comes in and shows his hands in his sides, which still have the, the holes in them. Everything is the same until he adds a little special blurb there for Thomas. He said, put your finger into my hands, my side, and stop doubting and believe. There's a few things here. One thing that I appreciate about Thomas, as I look at the story and consider this interaction here is, Thomas continued to show up. Can you imagine like how annoying that must have been for him if he believes for sure like, hey, you know what? It can't be real unless I experience it. And all his friends, every time they interact, is like, hey, it's real. Like, but he kept showing up. He still continued interacting with them because when Jesus came to be with Thomas and have this interaction, it wasn't just Thomas in the room. It was Thomas and the rest of the disciples. Everyone was finally there. You know? And, and what we also see here is that Jesus is listening. You know, if he wasn't, he wouldn't add that blurb of like, hey, believe. He wouldn't have came back because he would have been like, well, everyone had to have told him. Like, I know he wasn't in the room then, but come on, everyone's there. Clearly, he must know. Clearly, he must believe. No, Jesus was listening because he came for Thomas specifically and said, hey, stop doubting, just believe. And what we see here is that Jesus, he meets us where we're at. He is the shepherd that leaves the 99 to save the one. And on that note, he, he speaks clearly to Thomas and tells him to believe, but he doesn't demonize this process of doubt. You know, God isn't upset with us when we doubt him. Because when God sees our doubts, he sees an opportunity to grow our faith. And, and so because of that, Thomas, after coming out of this interaction, understands that Jesus had risen and can only recognize Jesus as his Lord and his God. And that's the power of the resurrection. It brings everything together. You know, Jesus preached these incredible sermons, drawing up crowds of thousands. But even so, Thomas wasn't saying, my Lord and my God then. He, he did incredible miracles. He turned water into wine, healed the blind, walked on water. And still, that didn't make Thomas say, my Lord and my God. But when Thomas faced the resurrected Jesus, he believed. There's a special quality to it because it breaks the limits of what we think we can occur. Yes, these other 
miracles were awesome, but he's like, okay, he's relying on God to do so. God can do anything. But when he sees that Jesus resurrected without a Jesus resurrecting Jesus, if you're following, he's like, oh, this is something that only God can do. It makes him go from recognizing Jesus is just, wow, he's a great prophet. He's the person that I follow. He's a great teacher. And changing that to Jesus is Lord and my God. And what this resurrection does is it makes whatever Jesus said true. It means that whatever Jesus said, you can also add the literal component. We talked about that earlier, that when Jesus said, oh, he's going to die and resurrect, oh, he actually meant die and resurrect. There is quite a few cases through scriptures of which the disciples seem to take something that Jesus meant very literally, and they took it as more of a general metaphor, something to ingest, to take in and ponder about for the rest of their life. When Jesus is like, no, I meant it like quite literally. You don't understand now because it doesn't quite fit in with how you see things. But when you understand the bigger picture, oh, this is going to make sense. And so we see here that the resurrection is everything. And leading to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, saying, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If you believe in the resurrection, that's all you need. Because it proves Jesus to be right about what he's saying. And not just right, it proves him to be right about who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And when we appreciate and believe in the resurrection, we can be like Thomas, recognizing Jesus as our Lord and our God. Lord over all our life. You know, when they're Lord, they're calling the shots. You know, God is the boss, the king, the Shah. Aladdin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I sense that some people didn't get it, so I had to spell it out there, you know. <laughs> but I, I love James's sermon, actually, last week, where he talked a lot about what it means for Jesus to be Lord over your life. I thought that was awesome, and so I won't uh, belabor that point. But what I will say is we follow Jesus because he died for us, and he is the only path to salvation. That's what makes him Lord over our lives. And so the question I'll leave you here with is, how can you make Jesus Lord over your life this week? How can you put God into the driver's seat of your life? All in all, there is good news that God is trying to bring into your life, and it's tied to Jesus resurrecting, and we have the opportunity to change our names from being Doubting Thomas to being a Faithful Thomas. And so, again, what is the good news that God is trying to bring into your life, and how can you make Jesus Lord over your life today, this week, and for the rest of your life, giving him full creative control and with you 
I'll uh, bring the singers back up to the stage. <laughs> 